Welcome aboard and buckle up. You're now listening to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. Now, let's dive in, go deep, share ideas, and take a good look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to the member-first economy. And now, live from Zero Studios, your host, the more infamous than famous, Jim Milloway. Hey there. Welcome to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. This is an in-depth look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to a member-first economy. It's an evolved mindset that uses modern approaches, customer delight, data analytics, and the best possible experience to shift the industry where it needs to be. We want to hear your questions. No questions too big, no questions too small. We will have a Q&A at the end of our discussion. My name is Jim Milloway. I'm one of the co-founders and also CEO at ZeroCard, and I'll be fielding the questions today. I'm so excited to announce our special guest, Al Lewis, a longtime industry leader and an advocate for the shift we'll be focusing on during the show today. Al's experience in educating our industry and its members has been an impressive movement, and we're lucky to have him here on our call today. So let's get started and shift this. Al, thank you so much for joining us. A big welcome from everyone at Zero. Uh, so excited to have you here. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, first, thank you very much for, for having me. As you know, I'm, there are many circle, circles in which I'm not as popular as I am with you, so thank you. A uh, little bit of background. Um, started out in uh, disease management. In fact, if you, if you Google on invented disease management, some of the hits are actually for me. Uh, figured out that that was a complete waste of money and didn't really do anything, so I segued into wellness figured out that that was a complete waste of money and actually could harm employees, so I segued out of that, and got into uh, employee health education. And the way I did that was that uh, I myself and a family member of mine were dramatically overdiagnosed, and in the case of my daughter, dramatically overtreated for something that the two things that would have gone away on their own, in my case, did go away on its own. So I'm thinking, you know, if this stuff is happening to me, it's got to be happening to everybody. And with, with all the things out there that vendors do, nobody is doing anything that says, you know, a, a third of the healthcare that you get is probably counterproductive, not to mention expensive. Let's teach you how to avoid that healthcare. Perfect. Thanks, Al. Okay, now we're going to get to some tough questions. Uh, but I think they'll be fun too. So you've done a ton of work to educate the industry as a whole, the employer, the employees, the brokers and advisors they work with about how to property, excuse me, properly utilize and understand healthcare more effectively. Has this been an easy journey for you? Uh, no, if it were, if it were that easy, um, they wouldn't need the work. I mean, uh, I'm having to undo years and years of misinformation, um, starting with, oh, you know, uh, we, our wellness vendor should be screening everybody every year for everything. No, that turns out to be exactly the opposite. Americans are vastly more harmed, vastly more likely to be harmed by too much healthcare and too little. But, you, you know, try undoing that. You can't just say to somebody who's been doing wellness screenings on their employees for 10 years, by the way, you know, you got it all wrong. You really shouldn't be doing it. And have them say, oh, of course, silly me. No, it takes a lot of work. So, when you, based on your experience and, you know, from past and what you're seeing today and all the work you're doing with employers and employees and brokers, advisors, who's creating the biggest resistance in our industry to this kind of shift? Well, it's the people who make the money off the, uh, the current situation. So, uh, for instance, 
wellness vendors and wellness consultants and the Wellness Trade Association are the ones who are preventing wellness from, or when I say wellness, I don't mean wellness done for employees. I mean wellness done to employees, you know, these massive screenings and, and lying on your health risk assessment and that kind of thing. They're preventing that from going away. Uh, in, the, uh, in the drug industry, there are plenty of ways you can get drugs inexpensively, but the PBMs have a ton of money and they're preventing that from going away. Um, and surprise billing, we have a solution. I think we're going to talk about it a little bit later that uh, allows everyone to avoid every surprise bill for any non-elective care. Uh, and the providers know about this. Do you think they're uh, defending it? No, they're they're trying to keep they're 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 trying to keep everybody from using it. Gotcha. So you know there was a great article I read earlier this week in the Harvard Business Review about what employers can and should do today. Right, and it focused on three kind of big areas. One, start per start treating your healthcare purchases like every other purchase. Two, start thinking about how you leverage technology. And three, start thinking about your relationships that you have directly with the people that actually deliver care. In your mind, what would what one, two, or three things would make it possible for us to quickly and and accelerate this shift to a member first focused economy? Well, I, I think the, uh, the the benefits folks and the HR folks have to be treated like a profit center instead of a cost center. And essentially, the employer says, all right, last year we had 60% employee satisfaction, you know, average of, I don't know, net promoter, whatever. Let's say 60% of people were satisfied or very satisfied, and we spent, I don't know, $10,000 an employee. Um, this year, I expect you to spend... $9,800 an employee and get 70% satisfaction. And if you do, we'll give you a bonus. And if we don't, um, you, you, you know, you're not going to get your bonus. I mean, so, so profit center. And suddenly, and, and by the way, not just a profit center for money, a profit center for employee satisfaction. And suddenly, I think you'd see a lot of things go away and a lot of things come in. Perfect. Thank you. And, and, and a quick reminder, too. To, for folks to use the Q&A uh, feature within the Zoom to ask questions. We'll, we'll field both the good questions and the bad questions. Uh, in yes, I, I have agreed to answer every question because uh, my uh, adversaries in, in wellness will never answer any hostile question. And I like to draw a very bright line between what happens if you're on the side of actual integrity and quality and satisfaction versus what happens if you're trying to hold back the tides of the decline of the uh, screening industry. Perfect. Okay, uh, we got a great question coming in from Stan. So Stan says, Al, every so often a wellness screen does turn up something like diabetes or anemia, and that's what the employers focus on. How do we demonstrate the harms when the harms aren't as obvious? That is the issue, is that, um, is, is that you're, you're harming so many people with these these false positives, and they don't know. They don't. They don't realize that it's a wellness screen. And there's an example in my book uh, from uh, one of these things that shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, uh, measured at all in a wellness screen, like anemia, by the way, which is uh, thyroid. Uh, doing a thyroid test. So, uh, an employee, my former sister-in-law, got a thyroid uh, test, and the, the the wellness screener said. I'm sorry, she was required to then, not required, but incentivized to then go to the doctor and get another thyroid test. So she went to the doctor, got another thyroid test. It was also inconclusive. So she's got two inconclusive thyroid tests. 
So they can't rule out that she has, doesn't have cancer. So they say, well, the only reason we, and then, and then they did a um, you know, biopsy, still inconclusive. So she had her thyroid removed and sure enough, there was no cancer. And instead of being really miffed at the wellness vendor and the doctor for violating U.S. Preventive Services Task Force guidelines that say you're not supposed to routinely test the world for thyroid cancer, she was just thrilled with the great care that she got at that hospital. So if you have people who are getting snookered and don't even realize, it was like in the movie The Sting, when uh, Robert Shaw didn't realize he'd been had even after he had been had. That's what happens here. To your specific example of anemia, uh, I've actually written an entire article on uh, screening for anemia. There is one vendor, fortunately now bankrupt, called uh, Interactive Health that used to make a huge big deal out of anemia screening and say it, it costs $10,000 to treat anemia. And if you screen for it in early, you'd save all that money. No, it costs. Folks, take an iron pill. And also, if you have anemia and it doesn't show up until you get screened, it's, it's not doing any harm. I mean, I mean, if you're not feeling tired, run down. Um, why get screened? And if you are feeling tired or run down, go to the doctor. That's great. You know, tell us a little bit more about Quizify, and, and then how do you measure Quizify's impact on our industry? Okay, so Quizify, if you can imagine Jeopardy meets health benefit education meets Comedy Central, that's what Quizify does. We teach people everything from, um, you know, questions about how much sugar there is in a, in a, in a granola bar answer a ton, to how much radiation is there in a CAT scan, answer a ton. And we don't lecture them, we don't pre-certify them, uh, we just give them the information and acting in their own self-interest, they won't demand inappropriate CAT scans and they won't think that a granola bar is a substitute for lunch. And we have two mantras, uh, just because it's healthcare doesn't mean it's good for you, that's how we save the money. Uh, and wiser employees make healthier decisions, and that's how we improve the health. Now, your other question was, how do we measure that? Very simply, the Validation Institute has a tool called the uh, Benefits Evaluation Survey Tool, or the BEST tool. It's, uh, it's a two-question survey uh, for as many benefits as you want to put in. And uh, you ask the employee two, uh, two questions. You, you know how often the employee used it already from your logistic, from your uh, data. Uh, you ask, was it useful, and should we continue to offer it? Now, the number of uses, which presumably you already know, but you could ask that question if you don't, times the usefulness, that gives you your engagement score. On the bottom axis, the x-axis, is the cost of the benefit. And um, so you measure the engagement score against the cost of the benefit, and that gives you the cost effectiveness of the benefit. You want to be uh, highly used highly appreciated at a low cost. So the way Quizify measures is, is very simple. We, we basically guarantee that we're gonna win. I don't care what other benefits you put up there, we're gonna win. And if we don't win, we give you enough free months so that when you multiply the usefulness times the number of uses, your score goes up on the y-axis. Now I also mentioned that um, you would say, should we continue to offer this, our uh, benefit? That's kind of the corporate engagement impact, and that's the size of the bubble um, on the graph. So the graph is basically a bubble graph, an XY graph with bubbles, and we're gonna get a really big bubble, and we're gonna be way up in the upper left-hand corner, and if we're not, we make it up. Gotcha. Perfect, thanks. Okay, so here's a question from Bob. 
So Bob says, you folks in the industries have been talking about reform around healthcare for a long time. What's going to happen in 2020 that actually makes real reform possible? Uh, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm 64. You can't tell because because I color my hair here. But well, although you can't because there's kind of some wrinkles right around there. And I got to tell you, I've been in this industry forever, and every year they talk about all the reforms that are going to take place. And when the reforms do take place, somehow it's the suppliers who all benefit from them. Uh, and 2020 is going to be no different. They'll figure out some way around it. Like if you take one of my pet peeves, which is surprise bills. Um, whatever solution they come up with for surprise bills is still going to leave people getting surprise bills one way or the other. Now, if you take the COVID, for example, they said, oh, no surprise bills for COVID can go to the employees. Well, that unleashed this huge uh, opportunity for employers, I'm sorry, for providers to basically code everything as COVID or rule out COVID. And then suddenly the employee would get a zero copay and the employer would get this big bill. But without the employee there to complain about the size of the bill, the employer, they just auto adjudicate it and pay it. Um, so it, it, that kind of thing, which sounds very well intentioned, actually increases cost. And that's going to happen time after time after time again when people try to reform things. The only way things are going to get reformed is if we take matters into our own hands and throw out these high cost PVMs and providers sending surprise and, and put the kibosh on surprise bills using our, Quizify has a special consent card that prevents surprise bills. Do it all on your own. Don't wait for legislation because it ain't gonna happen. Hey, you know, I wanna go back to a little bit more, I think is what you call the best survey, right? That, that you're using. So what are some of the biggest aha moments you've had when you've looked at those survey results over the years? Uh, well, it's only been around for about um, a year and a half, so I'd say over the months. Okay. Uh, and by the way, you can go to, uh, in fact, what we'll, what we'll do, you have the list of the registrants, is I'll send you the link so anybody can go to the survey. It's free and just easily downloadable and just ridiculously transparent and easy to complete and whatnot. Uh, the, the biggest surprise that we had was not how well Quizify does. I mean, we always know we're going to win. Because one, number one, we're cheap. And number two, um, we're monthly. So you're going to get many, many more uses than you would have, say, uh, a screening tool. So th the biggest surprise is not how badly screening does. Very expensive and scores very low on was it useful and how many times did you use it. But rather, occasionally we will, and we could do this with, with you folks at ZeroCard, occasionally our questions will link to a different benefit that an employer offers that an employee might not have been aware of. And we educate them on that benefit. And then the score for that benefit goes up as well. So the best example, I, I can use names because I'm going to say something nice about them, which of course I rarely do unless they really deserve it, uh, is in Arizona. Uh, Banner Aetna uh, is Aetna's uh, insurance arm out there. And they have this absolute killer um, user member portal that like most insurance portals, typically nobody ever uses unless you know they, they really, really need to. And then of course you forgot how to get your login information, yada, yada, yada. Theirs is so killer. It has all your insurance and all your medical information that they had us asking one or two questions a month specifically about the portal. And when we did, when they did the best survey, they actually found that the portal scored pretty darn high, not, not as high as Quizify, but much higher than most insurance portals would ever score. Interesting. Okay, we got a couple more questions. So here's a question from Greg. 
So Greg says, Al, will the pandemic be the big thing that's going to allow our healthcare industry to shift to this focus on members? No. Um, the, the industry shifts to the focus on members, it's going to be because folks like the Zero Card and Quizify are actually winning business. The pandemic, if you look at it, the insurance companies are already using it as an excuse to raise their rates next year. So it'll be just the opposite. Okay, here's a question from me. So, you, you know, I spend my time focused on how do we move away from a healthcare model that's focused on big healthcare and everything it needs, you know, how do we create as many billing codes as possible and extract as much revenue as possible, you know, and how do we accelerate that shift to the member first economy? What specifically does Quizify do that helps employers accelerate this shift? If I had to name just, well, let, let me name a big picture thing and then a specific thing. So big picture, next to wages, uh, healthcare is, you know, by a significant margin, the largest employee expense. It's also the only expense line item in the entire organization where employees are basically given a blank check. Yeah, you know, they got to pay a little share of it themselves, but given a blank check, an unlimited budget. So it's the only one where they get an unlimited budget. And it's also the only budget item, limited or unlimited, that they're not trained on how to spend. So Quizify takes the biggest unli an unlimited budget and teaches people how to spend it wisely. So that's the big picture. The specific thing is if I were to name just one thing, it would be the uh, surprise bills. Um, you can get uh, classic situations, the private equity companies have all bought up the, uh, you know, these, these ologist practices in different markets. And, um, and they, once they have essentially all the ologists, they can go out of network and the in-network hospitals have no choice but to utilize their services. So you go to an ER or an emergency admission thinking you're staying in network, and then you get this wacky bill that, that is, is essentially an out-of-network bill. So we have uh, solved that problem, and I don't mean like, you know, we have addressed it or something. We've actually solved the problem. We're the only vendor in history to actually solve a problem uh, as opposed to, you know, giving people an, a good alternative. Um, so um, we have these insurance cards, and we'll send links to everybody on this site, language for insurance card that says, I consent to appropriate treatment and to uh, be responsible, including insurance, for two times the, the Medicare rate for that appropriate treatment. So do not sign what they put in front of you. Instead, give them your insurance card with this tape on it, or we actually have little hard copy cards that people can give, or you can just write it down, or you can drop it into your Apple wallet. On our website, we actually have a way of dropping that language right into your Apple wallet. So once you have this, there's not a thing that they can do about it in the emergency room or the hospital. In fact, we're actually looking forward to somebody trying to challenge it, and so far nobody has. Hey, and here's, look, here's actually a Quizify card in my Apple wallet. You probably wouldn't believe, believe it if I didn't show you. So, <laughs> yeah, so and, I've, and like, I've taken advantage of the free resources myself. Th thank you. Uh, thank you. We actually, um, we've gotten uh, two people writing in about them. One of them actually, when I say quote unquote write in, one of them was actually in the New York Times 
about how successful their use of this card was. And the other one was on uh, LinkedIn. I've also gotten four people writing to me individually. And so far, nobody has written to me to say, Al, you know, you just completely screwed me over with this stupid language. You know, here's, here's a really inter interesting question that, I, that I'll comment on as well. So, you know, and I think this is a comment based on, you know, your comment that we're already seeing some, some kind of legacy carriers using the pandemic to their advantage to raise premiums, right? So what are all the ways that you think big healthcare, so the, the underperforming legacy incumbents, right? How are they going to take advantage of coronavirus? Well, uh, the main way they do it is is going to be by raising rates next year because they're going to say there's a lot of elective care that's going to be taking place next year that did not happen this year. And they're right about that. But on the other hand, in 2019, they didn't say, oh, we're going to reduce your rate in 2020 because, um, you know, there's going to be much less elective care. And they also paid their trade association to put out a report that said there's going to be up to $500 billion in, in uh, corona expense, you know, paid for by the insurance companies. Well, they did that specifically to give the insurance companies a chance to raise the rates next year. And what they didn't tell you was, and oh, by the way, there's also going to be up to $500 billion in fewer things being done in 2020. So it's all is in, in a wash. And if anything, the insurance companies are already doing better. You just have to look at their stock price. Um, so, so they're essentially, I mean, if you think about these folks, I mean, they don't really give you access to your data. Uh, so you can't do, you, you, in fact, most of the, many carriers actually uh, have a clause that prohibits you from uh, analyzing your own data, particularly on a contingency basis and or using software and or they say, well, we have to, if you find something wrong with it, we have to agree with it. I mean, it's essentially, uh, you know, it's, it's a one-way street. The money flows to them, period. Uh, they also, you know, the, the well-intentioned uh, limit on medical spend in Obamacare, uh, 80 to 85 or 85%, uh, the insurance companies have figured out how to make that profitable simply by raising the, the whole size of the, you know, the enterprise, and then the 15 or the 20% becomes a much bigger number. You know, the, the funny thing is, Jim, they're, they're basically, you know, the, the, the GOP wants to uh, repeal all of Obamacare except for the two things that should be repealed, which are the uh, wellness provision that says you can put up to 30% of your fee at of employees, you know, uh, fee at or insurance at risk for losing weight or whatnot, and the 80 to 85% provision. I mean, these are the two worst provisions in the whole law, and the people who want to repeal the law want to leave them alone. Hello? Gotcha. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm here. Uh, uh, oh, okay. All right. Because I thought I'd lost you there for a sec. Yeah, my, my connection went a little bit unstable. So uh, here's, a, here's a question uh, that's actually from my co-founder. And our chief medical officer, Stan Schwartz, you know, and Stan's an infectious disease doctor. Yeah, I believe he, I know. I believe we know each other. Hi, Stan. Yeah. So Stan says, what do you think about annual physicals for people who have no chronic diseases and are really just getting screenings? Okay, Stan, that, that's a leading question. And you know it's going to get me in trouble with a lot of people. Okay, but it's not just me. It's choosing wisely. 
Yeah, it's the New England Journal of Medicine. It's a journal of the American Medical Association. It's essentially everybody says that healthy people don't need annual screen, uh, annual uh, checkups. The Earth completing a revolution of the sun is not a reason to go to the doctor. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what we propose instead is, because that, that's one of these things. Remember I said in the beginning, it's very hard to just get people off of things. That, that is the question for employees that employers will take out the most. In fact, we don't even put it in anymore because they say, oh, well, we require them or, well, we've been doing them for years. Or, you know, if I take them out, I'm going to have to, if we tell people not to get them, I'm going to have to explain why I was telling people to get them all these years. Or our wellness vendor says we need them or something like that. So the, the two things we recommend instead are a mnemonic, kind of a, which is to get two, two checkups in your 20s, three in your 30s, four in your 40s, five in your 50s, and annually after that. So that's an easy thing to remember that probably approximates the a number of physicals most people should get. But the other one is very, very simple, is that if you are one of these employers that is paying people to get a physical, for whatever reason, uh, or requiring as part of your wellness program, whatever, instead of the note from the doctor saying, yeah, they had a physical, the note says, yeah, they had a physical and they should schedule the next one for 2020 X. You know, and if the person is not healthy, they'll say 2021. If the person is quite healthy, they might say 2025. Gotcha. Okay, follow up from Stan. So Stan says, okay, what about the health risk assessments that don't involve lab studies, but they're asking questions about drug use, stress, alcohol use, or inability to access healthcare for financial reasons? Well, uh, they're probably different answers to all those questions. And the two that I have data on are um, three, actually only two, the alcohol use and the cigarette use. Um, now, in terms of the drug use, uh, if, if you ask somebody to use illegal drugs, they're, they're going to say no. Okay, so, you know, but in alcohol and cigarettes, uh, we have data actually from the Wellness Trade Association, from uh, Ron Getzel himself, who runs the trade association that two thirds of people with something to lie about on health risk assessments will lie. So you get things like 5% of people saying they smoke, 20% of people saying they drink. And of course, the people who smoke, if you ask them how much, they tell you much less than they do. And if you ask them how much they drink, they tell you how much less than they do. So these health risk assessments, instead of creating a culture of health, they create a culture of deceit. Gotcha. Okay, here's a fun question. So Carol Baskin of Tiger King fame recently acquired the Greater Winniewood Zoo, which was home to Joe Exotic Zoo. What are the chances that Carol Baskin will acquire Quizify as well? <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, we're, we're not for sale unless there's, uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story. Um, so the, uh, uh, this was years and years ago. Remember, there, there was a big internet boom, uh, you know, a bubble around the year 2000 or something. And part of that bubble involved healthcare. And I, I was retained by um, the company, which is now called uh, Tivity Sharecare, used to be called Healthways. And uh, they absolutely wanted to get in to the internet uh, healthcare business. So there is this company, I can't remember the name of it, that did an internet-based asthma um, intervention of some kind. And they told me to go, you know, to go buy them and they would pay up to $25 million because I knew them, you know. So I called them and I said, hey, you know, I have, an, I have an offer for you. And the guy said, well, we're not for sale. And I said, well, how do you know you're not for sale? You haven't heard the offer. 
he says, fine, tell me the offer. And I knew that 25 million just wasn't going to do the trick. So I added 10 million my own, not my own money, but I just added it on my own, figuring, you know, we could work it out later, right? So I said, how does $35 million sound? There's this pause on the other end of the phone. And he says, quote, unquote, not enough zeros. <laughs> well, this company was out of business 18 months later, you know. Right. So, uh, so the short answer to your question is, you, you know, Quizify, like any other company, is always for sale. But it would have to have a lot of zeros in it at this point because we've been, our growth's been accelerating. You know, we're making some money. And most importantly, you can't do what we do. This isn't a question of just programming a computer. You know, like with Castlight came out with this big data thing and, and they said, oh, you know, we're going to own the world. Well, guess what? Data got much cheaper and suddenly they had a lot of competitors who could do exactly what they were doing for a lot less money. This is not the case with Quizify. Quizify is a right brain business. Teach, teach a computer how to write a clever trivia question and then we'll be out of business. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so this is something... With you and your leadership role at Quizify and myself in a leadership role at ZeroCard, what should you and I be doing, right, to make sure that we're better aligned to drive this new philosophy? Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, yours is one of these unusual benefits that, that an employee who has never seen before is not going to, um, in November at open enrollment month, it's just going to be zoning out. They're not going to be thinking about it because, as I'm fond of saying, only one-twelfth of all employees are going to have a healthcare issue in open enrollment month, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yours also offers a, a vastly better deal to employees as long as they know about it. So every month, if we have a Quizify quiz, we'd probably have one question about some interesting zero-card fact. So that when, say, June rolls around and somebody has uh, finally decided they need to replace their knee, or you know they can't manage their their um, you know they, they have a hernia or whatever, um, they know exactly where to go. They know exactly who to turn to, why they want to go there, what the deal is, uh, etc. So that would be way one. Uh, way two is that uh, Quizify has a um, a vendor of the month program, and for our vendors of the month, we believe in them. And I and I'm. I haven't really reviewed your numbers carefully in a while, but I'm 99.9% .9 sure this would include you. We believe in them so much, and what they say is so true, that we actually put our own Quizify fees up as a guarantee for zero-card performance, up to a third of our fees. That's the Vendor of the Month program. Ah, your money where your mouth is. Exactly. And there, there are so many companies that won't put their money where their mouth is for their own performance we're willing to do it for some selected vendors as well. Yeah, you, you know, and I think what you've been able to do throughout your career and, and specifically with Quizify is powerful. You know, you know, throughout my career in this industry, whether it be on the broker side or, you know, which is really where I grew up, you know, but I'd previously worked in large health systems for a, for a, for a regional HMO. And, and I think employers as healthcare purchasers have really underestimated the sophistication of the big healthcare model, right? They might not realize how easy it is for your employees to bring to end up at the wrong places, right? The system is very efficient to moving people to the highest cost settings as quickly as possible. And, you know, that's a tough current to break. Uh, and, you know, education is key to that. Like, how do we emp empower the people making the decisions, right, at the employee spouse and dependent level, right? Because status quo healthcare wants us to continue to think this is the employee's fault, 
right? So go ahead, Al. Okay, so so that that's that's a really good point that you bring up, and I I'd make a a couple of observations. Uh, well, number one, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, and number two, the um, the 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 insurer is not really working for you. They're they have vastly their, their provider network is vastly more important to them, except for their very largest employers. So you can be darn sure they're going to protect that that network. Uh, number three, there's some great quote I can't remember who it was. Is the way to um, to uh, take down an industry is not to go directly after it, but to make it obsolete. So in the case of surprise bills. You know, we're not telling people, you know, go demand that your provider stop sending surprise bills, you know, go try to negotiate when you can't negotiate with our network, you know, go try to, to, to tell your insurer to, to knock that provider out of the network, not going to happen. We simply make surprise bills obsolete, and there's not a thing they can do about it. Um, so you, you, you just essentially you go right around the uh, impediments instead of bashing right into it. And that, that you know, can be repeated. Uh, like if you take PBMs, I mean, there's, we just had a, a well, like you, I mean, you're an example. I mean, you, you know, you need, nobody needs to try to get their insurer to negotiate a better deal with the providers. You simply go around the insurer and negotiate a better deal. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and I'll give you, and, and I'll give you a good quote that I heard earlier this week. Uh, that was, I believe was a friend shared it with me. It came from Sean Martin, who's the CEO of the American Academy of Family Physicians. And I love this quote, right? So Sean says, if you pay for units of time, units of care and sites of service, you will get care that is focused on units of time, units of care and delivered at the most expensive side of service. And I, I, I think that's accurate, you know, and, and, and the other thing is people are talking about this value-based care and what happens with value-based care. And I've seen this with my own eyes 30 years ago, I saw this and I'll tell you the story is that uh, suddenly if you're getting paid the exact same amount for every procedure that you do, you start doing a whole lot more procedures on much easier people. And I saw the reverse happen. I, I can even give you the guy's name. I think he's retired now, but uh, he's a great surgeon in uh, Evanston, Illinois, by the name of Jim Kaderna. And uh, we were doing work for Evanston Hospital uh, and we were uh, comparing basically all the, uh, all the surgeons uh, and we found, and this guy was the, like the new kid on the block. And, you know, we, there are many more established surgeons. We found that his numbers were, were vastly better than others for things like uh, recovery time, time to physical therapy, length of surgery, blood loss, you name it. His numbers were the best. So what happened, and, and then he got really into this thing after we, because he had never occurred to him that you could quantify these things. He started after our consulting assignment ended, he started doing this all on his own. And after a couple of years, he found his numbers were getting much worse. And, and I, I, I talked to him a couple of years after that. He said, Al, you know what happened was the other surgeons started referring to me their hardest cases. And I was really flattered. So I would do them instead of just saying no to doing a revision on like an 85-year-old uh, woman with thin bones. Um, so I've, I've learned that lesson, but I didn't learn it until after my numbers got much worse. So he was the best physician, but he had the worst numbers. You know, that's great. That's a great story. And I think it's a real life example of how important data is, right? So, you know, explain to me your thoughts, right? So, you know, my sense, right, 
right, is data is the game changer here, right? So in your perspective, how is data like going to be the game changer that accelerates the shift? Well, people have to understand how to read their data. And the amount of innumeracy in this business is mind boggling. So if you take, we'll take PBMs as an example, people look at the size of their rebates. They don't look at the total spend um, uh, on drugs because there are plenty of companies out there um, Drexy and others um, that will simply go in and say, hey, you know, if you use us, you'll spend 10% less or, or we'll guarantee 10% less. You probably spend 20 or 25% less. I myself have a Drexy card. I spend less without getting insurance reimbursement than I used to spend in my co-pays. Um, so th this stuff works, but as long as, as, long as the, provider, the, the suppliers have taught people to maximize the wrong variables, it's not gonna. It's not gonna take place. Another example is is the wellness industry, where uh, for for decades people have been pairing, comparing participants to non-participants, and now it is absolutely known to the point where I have a three million dollar reward out for anyone who will try to disprove it that wellness is a complete waste of money. Well, I should say screening is a is a waste of money. Only one company has managed to actually reduce risk. And comparing participants to non-participants is it's not just a flawed study design, it's a it's a hundred percent invalid study design. Every time uh, there's been three times that this has been done where that that has been benchmarked against other methodologies, and it's always been found that a hundred percent of what was attributed to the intervention turns out to be attributable to comparing participants to non-participants. Well, until you teach people to stop doing that, there's going to be a screening industry out there. That's great. Okay, we've got another fun question here. So this is from an anonymous, uh, an anonymous attendee, and, and they say, "Jim, will we be able to see the entire picture behind you? Is that a self-portrait or a picture of Joe Exotic?" So, I will. So this is the this is the proverbial elephant in the room. Uh, and you know, it's fancy. I can change the colors. I can change the flashing. So this is a big hit for my five and eight year old boys, as you can imagine. So it is not a help. It is not a self portrait. That is the elephant in the room. As a reminder, we always need to be talking about it. Uh, Al, before we kind of wrap this up, is there anything, is there anything we didn't touch on or any specific questions you, you have for me? Uh, well, um, we should definitely make you a vendor of the month. I mean, your stuff is, I mean, you're validated by the Validation Institute, which is one of the things you need to be to be a vendor of the month. But I just want to make sure everybody knows that everything we've talked about, the surprise bill uh, hack in particular, and the, the, uh, the measurement tool from the Validation Institute, I will send them to you right now on, um, on a link that you can send to all the, uh, all the attendees. Perfect, thanks. You, you know, I hope this has been useful and helpful and, and informative for everyone. It's certainly been fun for me, Al. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, everybody hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. Same thing for Al. Uh, we're always happy to answer any and all questions. Uh, so take care, take care, stay healthy, and let's get shift done. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Jim. Take care, Al. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed Flying Zero Studios on our destination to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. Be sure to subscribe and review our podcast. And don't forget to join us for each and every episode as we accelerate the shift to the member-first economy.